Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAMS Radio, and it's one of celebration as the University of Alabama completed one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant, college football season in the history of the sport with a resounding trouncing of the Ohio State Buckeyes, 52-24 to in the national championship game, making a statement to being perhaps the greatest team of all time. I know this was a difficult year, a different one with a pandemic. Uh, you know, there was some, of course, COVID issues with Ohio State, Crimea River. Alabama had to deal with the same things. The Big Ten uh, didn't handle themselves probably the way they should have leading up to the season. But Ohio State was unbeaten. Ohio State came in. They were a little banged up. They were a little shorthanded. But there were still people picking Ohio State to win the game. That did not happen. And the true greatness of this Alabama team was shown as Alabama lost the best player in college football for his final half of his career, for the most part, Devontae Smith. They had uh, a gutty Jalen Waddle going out there, uh, 70% probably at best. My prediction came true. He caught three passes, but he wasn't a huge factor in the game. But he was out there with his brothers after Devontae went down. And even uh, Mac Jones, who had the greatest quarterback season of anyone in Alabama history, he got banged up. This was just a team uh, that was very resilient. And I think the fact that it was 38-24, it was still a game. And then, uh, you know, without Devontae Smith, with Waddle being hobbled, with a banged up Mac Jones, they still close it out and win it 52-24. to And it was due to, I think, being solid in all three phases offense, defense, and special teams. What a job. And, of course, this team is not going to be together again. Coaching staff different. Players moving on to the National Football League. We'll talk about that today. But, again, uh, what a great football team for this season uh, for the University of Alabama. Really enjoyed watching this group. A uh, very special one. And probably my favorite team under Nick Saban because of how I think together they were and the leadership uh, internally on this team. But I'm your host, Drew DeArmond, here. We have uh, our two cohorts with us, as always. Thomas the Wizard Watts wouldn't be here without him in the Port City of Mobile producing our show. We'll get some thoughts from him on this unbelievable season. And then, of course, our insider, our guy that was a part of the Crimson Tide national champion, and, of course, a guy that's, uh, you know played from 89 to 93, put on the Crimson jersey. And that's William Redfish Barger. William, uh, I know you followed this program as closely as anyone. So many storylines to talk about, but what a resounding finish. And it, and it proved how deep and what a true team I think this Alabama football team was in 2020. Yeah, and I, and I think he saw that kind of, you know, play out in the game, um, just how close they were, how, uh, you know, important it was. Uh, for Jalen Waddle to make whatever contribution his his body would let him make, and and I do think the the third down pick up there was a pretty significant contribution. And uh, you know, I had lunch with a doctor buddy of mine today, and he just shrugged his shoulders at me when I asked him, "Can can, can you tell me how in the world that kid was running around out there three weeks removed from an ACL surgery?" And you know, he just shrugged his shoulders. So. You know, I just think it was a special group. I think uh, a lot of people didn't realize how significant it was back in August 
when Coach Saban said he thought this team had really good chemistry. And I think that probably, you know, was the biggest storyline of the season. We, we got to see that play out week in and week out. Um, you know, I think it all started with the, the come-behind win, um, or you know, two come-from-behind wins early in the season. Um, you know, well, more of a track meet with, with Ole Miss. And, and then, you know, Georgia got up on them pretty early, but they showed a lot of character um, early in the season with that. Probably, you know, the – the the Bear Bryant Award that Coach Saban um, just got through getting um, should probably have an asterisk by it um, for, in my opinion, doing the best job in college football, you know, of managing, um, you know, the COVID situation throughout the course of the season. Although it, um, it, it caught up to him a couple of times, um, you didn't see any significant players, um, you know, that were a big key in this, this season, you know, have to miss games because of it. So, um, there's just so many positives to talk about. You know, and I think, you know, Alabama's even gotten more positive news since the game was over with Monday night. I'm sure we'll get into talking specifics later on. But, you know, several key members have chosen to come back, um, you know, for one more year at Alabama. And I think they're all going to be key contributors next season. Yeah, that's a great point we'll talk about that later uh but the legacy of this group uh is intact i mean they 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 uh uh you know they were they were driven by special guys like a Devonte smith who came back on a mission uh he, dylan moses i know dylan admitted before the game he had been in pain all year had what he, i don't think he ever felt like himself and he's moved on to the nfl i think everybody still expected him to you know led the team in tackles with 80 uh, you know, didn't have the, the, the year we were anticipating, uh, but I still think he'd be an effective pro, can, you know, depending on where he goes. And, again, I think he did do a good job of leading the team defensively. So, I mean, it, but it, it is. Landon Dickerson, you talked about that. I mean, <laughs> what a shock. He goes out through warm-ups with the team, and then they let him take the final two snaps, which was so emotional. Watching Chris Owens hug him, Miller Forrestal, everybody – loves Landon Dickerson and he was able to get back out there with his brothers and, and you know, finish the, his career the way he wanted to. And in college, he's going to move on uh, to the NFL as well. And, you know, they just showed how together this group was. And, and, you know, uh, I'll let Thomas come in and, and sing the praises first, but, you know, he, defensively, this was not a great football team, but it wasn't a bad one either. Uh, they finished on a good note. Uh, you know, they were able to, to, and Hey, it's it's football, man. I mean, I know that some of the Ohio State fans are already playing the what if thing with Trey Sermon. Look, he took a handoff and he got his clavicle broken. All right, that's football. It's 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 a fair deal. I mean, it's not. you know, it's 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 kind of fate. We hated that the kid got hurt, but it was a it wasn't a dirty hit. He took a shot and he was done. And so you know, Matt, you know, Master Teague played okay in the game, got two touchdowns. But, you know, that Alabama defense set the tone early, and I thought they played solidly against a really explosive offense. We talked about, you know, their receiver core was probably the second best that Alabama had faced besides Florida. And so, you know, and then, you know, Fields wasn't 100%, but he, he suited up and he, he gave it a go. And, you know, he wasn't nearly as effective. But I think Alabama had a lot to do with that. So I give the Tide a lot of credit. I just think they were the better football team. And, you know, I'm, it's, I know it's early in our episode, but I'm going to give Thomas Watts the floor here uh, to sing the praises of one Pete Golding. Uh, 
Oh, okay, Drew. It's time for a small <laughs> mea culpa. I have been as brutal and as vicious towards Pete Golding as any person even tangentially connected to the Alabama football program. And the guy deserves a lot of credit for the back half of the 2020-2021 season. With the notable exception of Florida, and Florida presented some very specific, very difficult-to-manage matchups in the offensive-focused college football that we have come to know and love, Pete Golding's defense has been about as good as you could ever expect. Four stops against Ohio State, four stops against Notre Dame, and particularly where this defense excelled was in adjustments. If they weren't prepared or a team did something a little bit different, they hadn't put on film, they'd have some first quarter, maybe into the second quarter success, and then the Alabama defense would adjust, and they were able to shut it down. Make no mistake about it. There were points in the game on Monday, even as Alabama was up several touchdowns, where given the offensive issues that should the Alabama defense have, have struggled, have had, had some issues, that game could have been much, much closer. Justin Fields is an elite quarterback. He absolutely is. There was a reason going into the game he was number two in QBR behind Mac Jones. He showed it on multiple occasions this past Monday. And Pete Golding's defense held Ohio State down. They did what they had to do. They won a championship. Having said that, let me be very, very clear on this, this show. Pete Golding may not be back next year. And that's a Nick Saban choice. That remains up. That remains to be seen. But as we go into the 2021 football season, if we come back and circle the wagons in August, Alabama versus Miami, and Pete Golding is the defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, I'd be okay with it. The man has absolutely earned it. How he managed to bring his defense along was noticeable and appreciated. And in a couple of cases, particularly in that SEC championship, Alabama doesn't win the doesn't win the champ, national championship as the undefeated team, and if we want to talk about this later in the show, at least in the conversation, probably the best team of all time doesn't get there without Pete Golding as the defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Drew. Yeah, I mean he did a great job, and I'm going to get bring William in and get his thoughts on that. William, it is. It remains to be seen where the dominoes fall to see if Pete Golding comes back to Alabama, you know, for uh, uh, season number four, no doubt about that. But certainly he has to deserve credit for helping direct this team defensively during a 13-0 national championship season. Your thoughts on Golding uh, and, uh, and what his performance this year and then, you know, uh, if, if he, if he uh, returns to Alabama next season. Well, I, I totally agree with Thomas. Um, I, I've been, you know, critical of him for two years in a row. Um, and and, and it, it just kind of manifested itself in such a sneaky fashion. Um, I, I checked the uh, 
you know, the final NCAA defensive stats at some point in time this past week. And, you know, he, he finished 13th in the country in scoring defense. And that's basically the most important stat. Um, you know, especially when you've got an offense that is explosive and as productive as his scoring points. Um, you know, I, I do think he did a, a really good job of riding the ship and then having a, you know, a, a back half of the season um, that, that was, you know, really good. And uh, that that was probably, you know, and I think lost because um, I watch ball games in a different fashion than, than than most people do. My eyes are glued to the line of scrimmage, and I was just sitting there drooling on myself watching one Christian my way Bearmore just huh. wreck that Ohio State offensive line. I mean, it was, you know. Uh, a true hidden beauty and gem, and I don't know if I've ever seen a player um, in the last couple games of his career put as much money in his pocket um, as, as old Myway Barrymore did. And uh, yeah, I think he's at no worse going to be the number two defensive tackle um, in the draft when this when this draft comes around. But no, it was it was a great game, um, you know. And, and, and I'm not, you know trying to poke poke a bear or, or you know, pour a fuel on their, their wounds. But, you know, look, I mean, Alabama, uh, you know, they lose Devonta Smith. Malachi Moore wasn't available. Landon Dickerson right. wasn't available. You know, you lose battle, you know, early on. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they had to plug and play with some replacement players. And, um, you know, it, it was just – it's just one of those deals, and I really do. I feel like Ohio State was probably in the same shape physically Monday night that Alabama would have been in had there been one more game to play. Um, and, and I do. I, I think Justin Fields, um, you know, showed what kind of player he is to go out there and, you know, put a pretty gutty performance up with his injury that he had. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was a great, great finish to – a bizarre football season. I mean, you got to see two of the, you know, top football programs in the history of college football, you know, go do battle. And, and, uh, you know, I thought the game was played, I, you know, the, the, the changing gears for a second though, if Pete Golding isn't retained, I sure as hell hope Nick Saban doesn't give that idiot Kerry Combs a sniff for defensive coordinator. I mean, Sark, out schemed him so many times. I mean, when you look out there and see Devonta Smith lined up in the slot and one of those Ohio State inside linebackers are lined up across from him, uh, you know, maybe it's more shame on Ryan Day than Kerry Combs. Somebody should have been busting a timeout to the refs to uh, make make some adjustments there. Uh, just a complete mismatch, and I almost felt bad for the, for the kid when it did happen. But um, – you know, I just think, like like we said, there's so many different things we can get into and talk about. And and I agree with, with y'all, you know, about the, the potential replacement coaches. Um, you know, recruiting's kind of at a standstill. Um, you know, you can't even have official visits right now. So, you know, where's the rush on, on finding the, the, the new staff members? You know, Nick Saban's always, um, you know, Bill O'Brien has already met with some players, and he hasn't even been officially announced as the new offensive coordinator yet. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly how, you know, the last couple of hires have gone down. 
Um, you know, I think word leaked out that Steve Sarkeesian was, you know, out on the West Coast recruiting um, before he had even been officially announced yet. So, you know, just be patient. I'm sure Nick Saban's got, you know, 10 different candidates for each open position sitting in his desk drawer um, that he's in the process of talking to. But, um, you know, it was, it was just, uh, you know, I think if you kind of put, you know, I guess that was two Monday nights ago that, you know, the Heisman Trophy was announced. And, you know, then Alabama just completely made a mockery of the college football awards, um, you know, and, and the way it finished up this past Monday night. Just just a great week of, you know, awards and championships, you know, condensed in a short period of time there. But it's it's a, it's a really good time to be an Alabama football fan, that's for sure. And maybe a basketball fan, too. Yeah, we'll talk about the basketball a little bit later. But, William, before we uh, change, uh, go on to the next topic, for our listeners, I know you were nicknaming him My Way Barmore. Could you kind of expand on that story? I know you've, you've told it to, to myself and some others, but for our listeners, they might like to hear uh, where this uh, nickname has come from. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting story. But, you know, it, Christian Barmore, when he first got to Alabama, was basically considered a project. I mean, he had never played you know, in a gap control defense before he'd been in a penetrating defense. And, you know, the coaches would get really frustrated with him because he would freelance and do things his way. That's that's where the nickname came from, my way. And uh, so finally, you know, the, the level of frustration boiled over the point and said, okay, Bearmore, you can, you can play this whole drill um, any way you want to. You do it the way we're trying to teach you to do it. You can do it the way you feel the most comfortable. We just go out there and play. And after three plays in a row of him just wrecking the offense, um, he started doing a pose down and screaming and yelling, saying, see, I told y'all my way was the best way. My way. Um, so that's that's where the nickname has come from. <laughs> Good stuff there. And certainly Barmore, I told everyone that he finished the season strong in the playoff. It would be the last time you saw him in a Crimson Tide uniform. And, you know, I, I, I believe he'll be a, a first-round pick. By the, it's what, by the time it's all said and done, Mel Kuyper, I think, has him the number one D tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if he is because he fits the mold of what they're looking for now. Uh, you know, I hate to invoke this name because they don't grow on trees, but an Aaron Donald-type guy who is so quick, so disruptive, can rush the passer. But as you saw, William, Barmore can also play the run because he probably had the biggest defensive play in the game, really the last gas for Ohio State, that fourth and two run stop, uh, you know, against Master Teague where he tackled him in the open field. He's just a, a really good athlete for a big man. And as you pointed out, he was raw coming out of Philly. Uh, and people forget, some people forgot that he had redshirted as a freshman. But he's come a long way, and his best football is ahead of him. He's a guy, to me, if he goes to the right football team, and he may go be one of these guys that goes mid to late first round. A playoff caliber team could be getting a really big piece defensively. Yeah, they could. And I think, you know, with his length and athleticism, um, you know, he's kind of a unique prospect. Like you said, they they don't grow on trees. But, um, you know, can play – Every position along the defensive front, um, you know, has a lot of disruptiveness about him. He's got a lot of hustle when he wants to. And, you know, I just think he's a guy that, you know, and you see this in every program, you know, 
sometimes you've got a, you know, a Patrick Sertan or a Jonah Williams that comes to college, you know, ready to start day one. Um, that, that's a unique situation in itself. But, you know, sometimes it takes other players, you know, longer for the light to come on. You know, Marlon Humphrey, who's making a ton of money now in the NFL, you know, wasn't college ready from day one. He needed a year to, you know, get bigger physically. Um, so, it, but it really was kind of a special night. I was glad to see, um, you know, somebody that's, I, you know, I would kind of liken him to, you know, maybe a Josh Job. I mean, the, the, the physical part of SEC football was never going to be a problem for either one of those guys. It was, you know, those two had to be taught what, what you know, and, and I think the process does a great job of this, but, you know, there's there's other things that go into, uh, you know, being a, a good football player. I mean, you, you, you've got to go to class. You've got to get all your workouts in. You've got to do your film study. And, you know, sometimes it takes kids, uh, you know, especially ones that, that grow up in difficult circumstances. You know, they're not used to that structure and that discipline. Um, we saw it work out really well, at least during his college career, for Reuben Foster is another one that kind of comes to mind. He wasn't ready, um, you know, emotionally and intellectually to play SEC football as a true freshman. So I just think it was a really cool ending to, a, you know, a, an up-and-down career up until this year. I mean, there was always those flashes of greatness, but they just lacked the consistency, you know, to do it week in and week out. So I think that's a neat ending for, for a pretty special player on this 2020 Alabama team. Well, William, I know not much went wrong and didn't go the Alabama's way in their awards of uh, circuit. Certainly uh, Will Riker didn't win uh, the Lou Groza that went to the University of Miami kicker who had transferred from FIU but uh, you couldn't have you know done any better than Will Riker. He was 98 of 98 this year. Certainly I guess returning to college football is probably the, the best kicker going into 2021 but the, the one that truly surprised me uh, Patrick Sertain did not win the Thorpe. It was uh, the uh, TCU safety, Trevon Morig. Uh, were you surprised uh, that, that, that Sertain didn't win it? I was a little bit shocked. Yeah, I was. Um, but, you know, I think he'll get his revenge in a couple of months when he gets that paycheck. I, I feel pretty confident he's going to be the first DB taken and probably in the top ten. Um, you know, there again, they just you – know, you don't grow – you know, corners on trees, the way, you know, his body shapes up very long, um, you know, for, for a corner, a boundary corner. Um, I'll be interested to see what his top end speed is. Um, but you, you don't see him getting beat very often. Um, certainly, I thought he was deserving of the award, but it's kind of hard for me to feel sorry for him with what he's fixing to put into his bank account in a couple of months. <laughs> no doubt about that uh, with uh, Patrick Sertain. Great career for him, lived up to the five-star status coming out of high school, uh, and he is going to be, as you said, likely a top-ten pick in this coming draft. But then I, I wanted to piggyback off something else. Uh, you know, I think Mac Jones, and he was my pick for MVP of the game before the kickoff. I still thought he should have been, and I don't disrespect Devontae Smith. What an unbelievable last half of football he had for, with 12 catches for over 200 yards, three touchdowns to put an exclamation point on his career. Ironically, his last catch, a touchdown, it should be. So, you know, he had such an unbelievable season. The only thing, the only regret is, you know, 
likely would have put 300 yards up if he played the entire game and ended up with over 4,000 in his storied career. But what a career it is for Devontae, the Heisman Trophy, the Bolitnikov, Walter Camp Player of the Year, so many trophies. Uh, it's such a leader. But I wanted to go back to Mac Jones, 464 yards passing, 36 of 45. Uh, you know, ends up with 41 touchdowns and four interceptions. William sets the all-time record for passer rating, all-time record for, uh, you know, in college football history with 77% completions, and he averaged over 11 yards per attempt. In your mind, what is Mac Jones' legacy? Can I jump in? I'm sorry, William. Sure, go uh, ahead. Go ahead, uh, 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 Let me jump in. I think Devontae Smith deserves a ton of credit for what he did in that first half of the national championship game. But – I think Mac Jones deserved MVP of the national title game, and here's why. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Here's why. And this, this, this speaks to your question, and then, William, I appreciate you letting me kind of steal your thunder. No problem. In the, in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, because of John Mechie's injury, because of Jalen Waddell's injury, because of Devontae Smith's injury, Alabama deployed guys that had something on the order of 10 catches on the year through 12 games. And Alabama was still able to move up and down the field as necessary to stick a fork in the game and put the game out of reach for Ohio State. That does not happen without Mac Jones as an excellent trigger man. And so if we want to just talk about the national title game as a microcosm of Mac Jones' season – that was, to me personally, due to loss of weapons on the outside, that was Mac Jones' shining moment. That third and fourth quarter of the national title game once Devontae Smith got hurt. Takes nothing away from Jalen Waddell, who was an absolute warrior who came in to essentially try and get Alabama across the finish line once Devontae Smith was hurt. But that you know, 25-ish minute span, was Mac Jones to a T for this 2020 Crimson Tide team. And that's personally what I'll remember him for. The other thing I'll remember him for was the Georgia game this past year. But anyway, William, go ahead. I thank you for letting me jump in. Well, I mean, I think, you know, looking back on it, it, it's revisionist history. But I think, you know, maybe some of us should have been cued in – you know, when, when he accepted a scholarship to come to Alabama, you know, in, in a QB room that, that already had two future Heisman Trophy finalists and NFL starting quarterbacks already in it. And he wasn't scared of the competition. Um, again, he had to – he's a guy, especially after this photo surfaced last week of what he looked like physically as a true freshman versus what he looked like this season. Um you know, certainly he needed to add some weight and get bigger, but you know, his the, the physical tools were already there. I, I've talked about it on the show before. I would go to scrimmages and just walk away and scratch in my head, going, "Man, this 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 kid's pretty good, or he's gonna be pretty good." And then the next week, I would go, and you know, he would have some mental collapses, and uh, you know, I think he finally got fully past those when he won me over. Was the way he performed in 2019 in the second half of that Auburn game 
um, after the two pick sixes. I mean, I think that's when you saw him finally exercise those demons. You saw him surface a little bit over there on the sideline after the fumble in the national championship game, but, but he reeled himself back in. And, uh, you know, I just think that, um, you know, as we're talking about these individual awards and, you know, it's hard for me to say. I mean, I certainly am not going to debate you and Drew for saying that Mac Jones deserved that MVP the other night. Um, you know, but there again, and I, I hate to beat a dead horse, um, but, you know, maybe that offensive line deserved the MVP. Um, you know, I, I was very pleased with the way Chris Owens performed versus Ohio State. Um, you know, but God almighty, he's got six, seven, eight, sometimes ten seconds to scan the field. Um, he's got an NFL running back behind him. You know, they're, they're, it's almost like the perfect storm. But, yeah, I, I just think that's a real, real nasty um, package in a quarterback. He looks so unassuming. Um, you know, the, the way he is so deadly accurate. I mean, it's almost like watching – you know, somebody stealing candy from a baby when Devontae starts to do what I call a drift route. Matt floats the ball over there to him, and he catches it, you know, right there around the numbers and then just starts gliding down the sideline. Um, and you can go back and watch that same reception, you know, a 100 times over the last two football seasons, and nobody ever catches Devontae. I see people with angles. Um, you know, Matt puts that ball on the numbers. Uh, every time, and it's just like, you know, nobody can stop this, and it's a very basic, you know, football play. You know, it's not a complicated route. Um, But, no, there's just, especially on that side of the football, um, you know, I think you you could kind of sum it up is, you know, that that offense performed at such a high efficiency and at such a standard of excellence week in and week out. Um, You know, I think on the other side of the ball, you know, defensively, there were some growing pains probably on the headset and on the field with the players um, that, that really kind of came full circle in November and December and January. Um, and then, you know, there again, um, you know, Will Reichert and the special teams as a whole, um, whether it was Jalen Waddle back there, Devonta Smith, you know, in the punt return game, the special teams – um, you know, played at a high level all year. So all three phases of the game, um, I, I think you saw kind of come into focus uh, Monday night, and, and uh, you know, it was just something special to watch. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that again. Well, you know, it was. It was a, the offense just kept churning, even with guys going down. And we, you made a great point. And I, I watched the bus come back to football complex, you know, the, the day after the national championship game. And it is a good thing that Alabama – did not have, you know, another game to play because Devontae Smith with a uh, finger injury and the injury to his hand. Uh, he, and then we, John Mechie, uh, yeah, they admitted after the game, had not practiced up to the national championship game, had an ankle issue. He was in a boot hobbling. Uh, Mac Jones had a very severe, I've heard it's even worse than a bone bruise. He's going to have to heal up, but he was definitely hobbled, not moving around real well. Showed a lot of toughness staying in. Uh, no doubt. And then, of course, they were already uh, – they had Waddle out there, but he was far from 100%. And just and then, as you said, Malachi Moore didn't play. They had lost battle for uh, the rest of the game. It was just an amazing, you know, team victory. 
Who would have ever thought I would have lost money? Xavier Williams makes a big catch for a first down in the game that mattered. Uh, Slade Bolden with a first touchdown of his career uh, on that swing pass from Mac Jones. That's why I think, William, this is the greatest offense we've ever seen in college football history, and I don't give a damn what any LSU fan tells me. They want to sit there and yell at me and tell me that Joe Burrow and those guys were the greatest of all time. Bullshit. Alabama was better. You're never going to convince me. For one thing, if Alabama's offensive line's intact, it's better than the LSU front. Mac Jones can go throw for throw with the great Joe Burrow. I could give a shit. I wouldn't trade Mac Jones for Joe Burrow. And then, of course, Najee Harris wouldn't trade him for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Wouldn't trade Devontae for Jamar Chase. I'd play the son of a bitches anywhere they wanted to play, whether it be Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, or Atlanta, and Alabama would kick the shit out of LSU. That's just my opinion. But, I mean, I'm a little passionate about that after what I saw because in the way this defense also improved and the special teams. But, hey, man, you can't go back. It's revisionist history. But, again, my point is, William, I think this is the greatest offense we've ever seen in college football history. Well, I think the the deciding factor in my mind, Drew, is, is there wasn't any, you know, sisters of the poor games for everybody to pad their stats with. You know, right, the, that's exactly right. Bull, that that that's the deciding factor for me. You know, there wasn't a Citadel, there wasn't a Western Kentucky. It was a full slate of SEC football games every Saturday, and you know the the SEC championship game. Um, you know, I thought they played, you know, two worthy opponents in the playoffs. You know, it, you almost have to feel sorry for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. I just don't know with the academic handcuffs that he's got in play up there in South Bend, you know, and I certainly think it's a, a solid move for them to, you know, go to the ACC. But you just kind of have to wonder um, with, with the restrictions he has for, for the entrance requirements up there in a normal year. Um that is this just you know they topped out up there um we'll see i mean i think he's done a good job you know getting that program back into the college football conversation and um you know the 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 thing about this alabama team i think that um separates itself in in the the college football history books is it, it was a complete team you know i think if if you just look, you know, it's not how you start a football game. It's how you finish. And I think you and, and uh, Thomas, you know, both already, you know, given uh, Pete Golden, you know, several good compliments. But, you know, with with all the things that went on this year, I think that, you know, you got to give the guys due. Um, you know, if, if you can have not, not, not the, you know, the 2020 Alabama offense, that's probably never going to happen again. But – just a good, solid, normal Alabama offense. Um, you know, if, if he can, if he does come back, you know, if he can have that defense, and I, and I think, you know, if there's a spring practice and a full fall camp and not more craziness next fall, um, you know, whoever's going to be the 2021 Alabama defensive coordinator, you know, I think they're going to have a pretty good set of players to work with, especially when you factor in some of the veterans that have decided to come back for one more season. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, I, I think when you look at it, um, you know, this this Alabama offense, you know, we, uh, with Joel Billingsley's development, Miller and Forrestall, we'll see if Miller comes back 
you know, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, but I think there was this offense was just without a weakness. We didn't even bring up Najee Harris. Najee, to me, is the greatest receiving running back in Alabama football history. He had over 400 yards receiving. Uh, you know, he ends up with an SEC record, William, 30 touchdowns in one season. Uh, you know, uh, as far as all-purpose yards and that nature, you know, he's around. He's he, he ended up with uh, really close to 1,900. Uh, you know, he's he just had an unbelievable year. Won the Doak Walker as he should have. Uh, you know, he, he probably deserved to finish higher in the Heisman voting. Shit, I mean, when you go back and look at it, to me, Alabama should have finished one, two, three. I don't give a shit about Trevor Lawrence. I don't. I mean, he had a pretty good year. And lifetime achievement award. Yeah. it's bullshit. Yeah, basically, that's what they gave the uh, the long haired, you know, sunshine who never became to me the player everybody thought he was going to. They thought he was going to win three straight national championships, two Heisman's. You talk to anybody, he should have not even played after his freshman year. Then he gets a whooped ass. He doesn't win another national championship. So the guy's a great prospect, but he's a prospect. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not can't miss, in my opinion. We'll see what he does uh, in the NFL. I'm not sold on on him completely or Justin Fields. I think Mac Jones, if he goes to the right organization, could be a better pro than both of them. He had a better year than both of them. So, like I say, I mean, and, and again, was I expecting Mac to do that? No, but he did. And you have to give him all the credit in the world uh, for doing that. But again, you know, I just think when you look at the, this Alabama team, they had three guys have unbelievable seasons that, you know, Najee's now the all time leading rusher in Alabama history. Mac had the greatest quarterback year in the history of Alabama football. And then Devontae Smith, he's the greatest receiver in SEC history and one of the greatest in college football history. And he will definitely leave his mark and legacy on Alabama football forever. So this is just a, a, you know, a really special group, no doubt about it. And I'm looking forward to the future, of course, and rebuilding this offense. And it's going to be one of the biggest rebuilding jobs Alabama's had to do because you got to replace three offensive line starters. Uh, you've got to replace the quarterback uh, who was unbelievable and the running back and this wide receiver core. Uh, you know, John Mechie will be back. But he's, you know, he was really the only one that made a lot of plays that will return, though at least you will have a guy like Slade Bolden in the slot as well that you're confident can make some plays. But it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. We talked about Bill O'Brien, you know, being hired. It's not been officially announced, but it definitely looks like he's going to be the O.C. And, and William, personally, I, I love Sark. He's the best O.C. of the Alabama, uh, you know, of the Alabama uh, era under Nick Saban. And, and by the way, I thought Sark called one hell of a game in his final game at Alabama. Oh, he did. He did. It was it was something to, to behold. Um, and, and, you know, there again, there's there's so many unique things that went on this season. Um, I saw a stat that came out after the game, and this is just silly. But our boy, Cornbread Brown, yeah, I saw that. Was right, a yeah. three-year starter in the SEC and never gave up a single sack. That's amazing. That's just that's just silly. I the, mean, the, that's the kind of that's the kind. You know, th- there's a guy that really, you know, nobody ever really talks about except making fun of his weight. And mm-hmm. just like somebody else, I, I said this uh, earlier. I mean, he's Nate Newton 2.0. Agree. Um, he's gonna play. He's gonna play on Sundays as long as his body allows him to. Just, just a 
freak, freak talent. Yeah, I agree. I think he he's going to be somebody, William. You could, what like Larry Allen, you could draft in the yep. third or the fourth round that's going to end up being a ten year guy. Yep, I, I totally agree. And then to go back to it though, uh, to get your thoughts, I'm excited about the Bill O'Brien hire. He was on my short yeah. list to replace Nick Saban a couple years ago. Your thoughts on Bill O'Brien coaching quarterbacks and being the OC? Well, I, I heard a, a press conference that, that Nick Saban did that I thought, you know, really summed it up really well. Um, you know, if you look at Bill O'Brien's resume, until he tried to do, and I'm quoting Nick Saban, an impossible job at that level, and I know it's something that he wanted to do, that he pushed for, but before he decided to become the head coach and general manager of the Houston Texans, you know, pretty pretty nice resume. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson put up some stupid numbers his first couple of years, and obviously Bill O'Brien gave him a ridiculous amount of money because of it. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, take the Patriots experience out of the equation. You know, if you look at what he did, not just as the head coach, you know, when he inherited that god-awful situation at Penn State, you know, he had Christian Hackenberg up there, um, you know, as one of the – he turned him into one of the top quarterbacks in college football um, for at least one season. Um, you know, the experience that he has of, um, you know, running that, that Patriots offense when they were kind of on their rise to, to their, um, their dynasty. Um, yeah, I think it's a great hire. And, uh, you know, when, when all he has to do, um, you know, in Tuscaloosa is coach the quarterbacks and design an offense that's going to allow the talent that's on hand to, to flourish. And I think he'll do a great job of that. Um, you know, the, the the one thing that, that I will be interested to see is, is you know, I, I do think that, you know, he lost that locker room out there last year in Houston. And I'm interested to see how he interacts with the players and recruits. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, basically sell myself as Tom Brady's quarterback coach and not really carry the conversation much past that if I was him. But uh, I'm excited about the hire, Drew. I mean, it's it's a guy that's got a just a wealth of knowledge and experience. And, uh, you know, he's going to have, albeit young and inexperienced, but he's going to have a lot of talent on that side of the football to develop and manage. And I think it's a great hire. Well, I mean, okay, we've seen some reports that Jeff Stoutland's on the short list to be the O-line coach. It could happen, though he's still under contract with the Eagles and exploring NFL options. Uh, I think Stoutland would be a great hire. He's been in with the Eagles, helping win a Super Bowl. Since he left Alabama, he helped Alabama to two straight titles in 11 and 12. But, uh, William, uh, your thoughts on if Statlin were brought back, and if not, you know, how much do you, how much input do you think Nick Saban will give Bill O'Brien in bringing in an O-line coach and now a running backs coach because we can tell everybody it's official. Charles Huff will be the next coach at Marshall University. He is leaving. We'll see what happens. Right now, the only offensive coach left with Kyle Flood uh, going with uh, Coach Sark to be the OCO line coach. Sark leaving his OC. Uh, the only one left is Coleman Wiggins at wide receivers. We'll see if he moves on too. But uh, your thoughts on having to reconfigure this staff? Well, I mean, I think if they could, you know, lure Jeff Stoutland back, I mean, that would be, you know, as big of a home run hire as it is getting Bill O'Brien to run the offense. 
Um, you know, the guys, um, you, you know, coached some great offensive lines in, at Alabama in the past. I think he's had the number one offensive line in the NFL a couple of times with the Eagles. So, you know, he knows the game. Um, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, kind of got dinged a little bit. And I think it's more of a kind of like a Tracy Rocker type deal. I don't think that he's a bad recruiter. I think it's maybe just not something that he enjoys doing. Um, you know, I think he certainly knows the landscape really well, um, you know, was on that same staff with Mario Cristobal and Joe Panunzio down in Miami when, when you know, everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket down there. But, you know, certainly they were bringing in really good players. Um, if you go back and look at that period of time in Miami football history. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the biggest thing, um, you know, that he did, and he, he had some misses, everybody does. Uh, but, you know, he was able to go up to central Ohio and sign a lowly, low-rated three-star center prospect that nobody was really excited about, and one Ryan Kelly, who's now the highest-paid center in the NFL. So, you know, there, there's, you know, two schools of thought when it comes to, you know, recruiting and developing big people on both sides of the line of scrimmage. You know, Nick Saban does it, you know, by going out and finding the Jonah Williams and the Evan Neals and the Cam Robinsons that are, you know, SEC ready from day one. I, I've always, you know, made the comment after watching Jonah Williams' sophomore high school tape, he could have started in the SEC as a 10th grader. That's how talented he was. Um, but, you know, there's also the, um, you know, the Harry Highstead way when he was rocking out all those first-round draft picks as the Notre Dame offensive line coach and, and going out and signing three-star guys and, and basically manufacturing and developing them into first-rounders. So, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat in this particular situation, but I would be thrilled if Nick Saban could bring Jeff Stoutland back for his second tenure. I think Bill O'Brien will also have a say in the running backs coach. We'll see what happens with Wiggins. Um, you know, if, uh, if he comes back, that's fine. He's done a very solid job, but, you know, he could end up moving on maybe with Charles Hill if he gets a promotion to OC. We'll see. Uh, as we're talking and recording this, Keelan Robinson has just announced really officially on his Twitter account that he will be returning to Alabama uh, via emojis, but you read into that what you can. He's been on the West Coast working out. He opted out. He was the only one that did. I think he can be an outstanding weapon for the Tide. I know there's some consternation about Jeff Banks leaving uh, and being the lead recruiter for Kamar Wheaton, but as of now, I've heard Wheaton is solid. We'll see that continues uh you know uh, the texas is recruiting lj johnson so is texas a&m another you know texas running back but again you know right now uh you know i know that the, his position coach left and so did his lead recruiter but uh, you know nick saban is the master so we'll see who they bring in and kamar you know had already made a decision to come down there he hasn't signed though but again the running backs room is going to be deep and that piggybacks off my next question william you, you talked about it at the start of our, uh, you know, show tonight. But Alabama's already they, – they lost the five guys everybody thought they would lose to the draft. I mean, you, you're looking at Patrick Sertain, Daylon Waddle, Mac Jones. I mean, uh, you, I think everybody knew Dylan Moses was going to go. I mean, all in Christian Barmore, those five were going to go. Uh, that shouldn't be a shock. But Alabama's been very fortunate. Josh Job coming back. It looks as that way. Padarian Mathis returning, uh, you know, he's going to come back. 
for Alabama. I think that's a, a huge return for the Tide. Chris Allen, who is very underrated this year on this defense. And now we've seen, uh, the word is, a couple of the seniors may return. Brian Robinson, which is a little bit of a surprise, but I know Nick Saban has always liked him. And then you talked about Chris Owens returning. He finished the year strong at center, but he's a versatile guy, William. With all the, the spots open on the O-line, uh, I think Evan Neal is going to slip to left tackle. So if he does, Owens could even potentially be the right tackle if Darian Dalcourt's ready for center. The thing about Owens that's really nice is he can play a lot of different places. Yeah, he can. And, and I think you touched on something that um, I think is certainly going to be worth watching, you know, in the coming months. I'd say probably over the, in, in, you know, a year from now. Um, there is, you know, especially when you start getting into playing time, roster management, there, there is no way on God's green earth that that running back room is going to have seven running backs in it by this time next year. You're going to see some of those. We, we've already been through this with the, you know, the Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry running back class. Um, just not going to all be around. And it's going to be interesting to see who the ones are that leaves. I, I think for sure one, possibly two, will be gone by this time next year. It's just not enough playing time. Um, and you'll see them hit the portal. And um, wh whether it's, you know, Cameron Wheaton or, or whoever, you know, the Edwards boy from Louisiana, I don't know. I'm just throwing names up against the wall. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think, and you touched on this, I do think – especially considering, you know, Cameron Wheaton hasn't signed yet um, with with uh, Sarkeesian and Banks both going to Texas. I think that situation's worth watching. I'm not saying he's not coming to Tuscaloosa. Um, and I think Killian Robinson's return, you know, adds a little bit more spice to that whole situation as well. That's a guy that I felt like, you know, could be Kenyon Drake 2.0 when he got to the program. Um, he's gotten his weight up. I wouldn't even rule it out, you know, if O'Brien decides to use him as a slot wide receiver in certain formations. I think he's, you know, got the skill set and the ability to do that. But um, I, I think that running back room is, is something to, that bears watching in the coming months. And, uh, you know, I, I also don't think you can discount another guy um, that Nick Saban has gone off and, and identified and, um, is, is, you know, a first-round draft pick as a senior in high school. I, I still think, and we, we got to wait and see, you know, is there going to be a spring practice? Is there going to be a full fall camp? Certainly, you know, something else we probably need to touch on is, is year two of this space-age strength and conditioning program. I think that's when you're going to see the, the biggest gains there. But don't discount or rule out that one J.C. Latham may not be one of the starting five next fall. Yeah, I know you're real high on him. I love Tommy Brockermeyer, too. I mean, you know, they might both have to wait a year, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they're ready. And, again, that, that piggybacks into Chris Owens' versatility. He could go to center. He could go to guard. If he's the center, Dalcourt could be a guard. You know, I still think Dalcourt may end up being one of the best five as well. I mean, I know the coaching staff's very high on him. Also needed to continue to develop. Uh, but I think, you know, and I mean, e even Seth McLaughlin, uh, the young kid from Georgia, Buford, who got a chance to play. I know uh, my best recruiting source watched him play for Alabama and in high school and thinks he's got really good feet. He's another one of those three star guys. You talked about Ryan Kelly, William, who could blossom 
into an outstanding football player. Uh, so that that's going to be one of my favorite things to watch too is some of this offensive line competition. Pierce Quick, he'll be back hopefully healthy, uh, probably competing at one of those guard spots. Going to be interesting to see Tommy Brown, who has moved inside from uh, you know tackle to guard. He's kind of a mauler type. Kind of reminds me of a Bradley Bozeman, uh, who still I don't think gets enough credit for how good he was. He's having an outstanding pro career too with the Baltimore Ravens. So. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a lot of good comp, and of course, they'll have a new coach. Could it be Jeff Stallin? We'll continue to monitor all that, you know, for everyone. No, no question about it. But uh, this, I hope we have a spring practice because it'd be a, a very interesting one to watch uh, to see this offense put together. I, you know, I still think you know Bryce Young's the heavy favorite to be the QB. I love his mobility. Love his, you know, the head he has for the game from the neck up. Uh, I think he has outstanding arm talent. We didn't get to see a ton of him. Uh, because there was no, uh, there wasn't a lot of cupcakes. Backups got to play some, but certainly a lot of these starters played the majority of the snaps. Uh, but again, there's going to be a lot of talent left over, you know, at, at the for the University of Alabama. All all the early uh, enrollees are now in school. Uh, Jai Hall was the last one. He was confirmed today uh, from the Tampa area. The wide receiver. That wide receiver room is going to be fascinating. Uh, if Holman Wiggins is still here, going to have a lot of young guys competing for snaps. Uh, we could see some true freshmen heavily in the mix. We could see the Tyu Jones Bells, the Trayshawn Holdens, uh, uh, the Javon Bakers that were with this group this year, getting a chance to go out there and showcase their ability and uh, to uh, showcase their talent and see how they mesh with a guy like Bryce Young. So there's going to be a lot of young talent on this offense. Still a lot of it, five, four and five star guys with their chance to showcase their talent. So that first game against Miami and Atlanta potentially. Uh, that would be a very exciting contest, and hopefully the schedule will go off normally this year. But I think that's one reason why this schedule, it, we'll never likely see it again. That This season is going to be so special to so many people. But, Thomas, do you have any other thoughts on this uh, unbelievable season we had from Alabama? Well, just to echo you and William Drew, we're not going to see this again. The 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 number of Power five teams is not going to be. It, it doesn't. It almost doesn't want to be done again. And this twenty twenty group, they went undefeated. But here's the thing: not only did they go undefeated, with the notable exception of Florida in the SEC championship, they won uh, by a large margin. And. That need that that deserves valuation, that deserves respect, and I, I just don't understand how when you look at the number of SEC slash P five competition games and the other stuff surrounding how Alabama played, you have trouble understanding why there's an argument for best team ever there are there are knocks against the 2020 Alabama team but you said earlier in the show Ohio State had COVID issues and they had health issues Alabama beat Ohio State by four touchdowns without their starting Remington winning center and with wide receiver one 
having a torn up finger in the second half and their wide receiver two, which I'm not even sure Jalen Waddle's wide receiver two, he might be wide receiver 1.5 with a bad wheel. Now, and Mechie not healthy. Exactly, exactly. So let's 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 pull it back. Let's pull it back one level and say, let's say you have the 2020 Alabama football team absolutely 100% maximally healthy against this Ohio State team. I'll, I'll put my mouth on it, Drew. I don't think Ohio State's defense was good enough to slow the Alabama offense down from an efficiency perspective. Nope, Togi or not. They exactly. Get their ass beat. I think more, I think the only thing the only difference is maybe Ohio State scores thirty one. If they score thirty one, Alabama scores sixty six because Sean Wade had a couple of really good plays in the game on this past Monday, but he also <laughs> had some plays that he didn't want to see again, and. Kerry Combs absolutely lit himself on fire putting Tough Borland covering Devontae Smith. I understand that's a that, – like, I understand that's a schematic situation, but congratulations, Tough Borland. You were forever a meme for shit you shouldn't do when you're on defense. But – Hey, let me tell you something. If I'm Tough Borland, I call the timeout myself if I find myself lined yeah, up across. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I'm rotating to the left side of the formation and I see six, I'm like, can, can we just – can we take a timeout? That's what I'm asking for, please. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to opt out for the season, but I may want to opt out till he gets hurt in the second half. <laughs> but, no doubt. But, but it, it, that's, that, sort, that underscores my point. This team – had its almost more than its fair share of adversity. And, and you know, part of it's football, part of it's COVID, part of it's just the nature of the beast. And yet Alabama was still so very, very good. And what I'll always remember from this year is every obstacle put in front of this 2020 Alabama football team, not only did they respond – which you expect from your team, they responded in a way that is the absolute best. And I hope Nick Saban over the next five to 10 years, as his team iterates through itself is able to do that again. But if he doesn't, that's going to be the thing I remember from this 2020 team. Every time there was a response generated this team responded at the highest, highest, highest level we have ever seen in college football, Drew. Yeah, and I, that's a great way to end the football conversation. I, I think it's my favorite team under Nick Saban just because of the internal leadership, just because of how they stepped up. I mean, they, went, they, they got revenge. They dominated Auburn and LSU, who were both very fortunate to beat Alabama the year before. Uh, they, they ended Gus Malzahn's tenure on the Plains. Uh, they've put, uh, you know, uh, Ed Ogeron on skates. Uh, you know, he, it, we'll, we'll see this year if he's Gene Chizik part two or if he can, uh, you know, uh, right the ship in Baton Rouge. But Nick Saban has cemented himself to me as the greatest of all time. And he's not done. That's the great thing about it. He's still so driven uh, for Alabama to be great. He's already putting together another coaching staff. I still say it's chess, not checkers. He's going to put together a great staff again for Alabama. He always has. 
the weakest he probably did was going into 2018. They were more recruiters than coaches. And I think he learned some lessons there. And yet they still reached the national championship game. So, uh, but I expect this to be a very strong staff, uh, you know, go, going in. Uh, I think recruiting is going to finish strong. We'll see what happens with JTT uh, and, uh, you know, Terry and Arnold uh, and what they do on national signing day uh, without question. Terry and Arnold may be the number one safety in the country. I think Alabama's in very strong shape. We'll see what Freddie Roach can do uh, with JTT. And JTT may take it past signing day. We'll see. Certainly in the next few weeks, it'll be interesting to see if they can get him on campus at the University of Alabama. I know there's a dead period through April, but he can come himself on campus. But uh, it's just, it was a great year. Uh, so in, uh, these guys, only one game where they did not win by double figures, and that was against Florida. And Florida was very fortunate to be in the game in the last minute. But Alabama rose to the occasion and closed that game out as well. But I wanted to close with some remarks about basketball. Another resounding win in Coleman Coliseum exercising some demons, ending a six-game losing streak against the Arkansas Razorbacks, uh, Alabama 90-59 to in Coleman Coliseum. John Petty from my community, May Jemison in Johnson High School, now the all-time three-point shooter in Alabama basketball history with 265 makes. He's got a legit chance this season to end his career with over 300 made threes. What a career he's had. He's playing at such a high level now. Uh, this Alabama team, even without Jordan Bruner, they had Alex Reese in the lineup at center. He played well yesterday. Uh, and then Herb Jones, showing a lot of toughness, did not. He started the game, played regular minutes after missing much of the contest and Rupp, where Alabama still won by 20. He's got his fingers taped together, but he uh, still shot the ball well yesterday. He handled it very well. He's just a really tough kid and a great defender. And Alabama's still so deep. This team, Keon Ellis, you saw yesterday. You saw Jaden Shackelford playing well. You saw some other young guys. Uh, Keon Ambrose Hilton had a moment or two. De uh, you know, Darius Miles. Uh, they're a very deep group with a lot of talent, a lot of guys that can shoot the basketball. And Arkansas saw that yesterday. So uh, Alabama, I think they, they're the best team in the SEC right now. They got a tough game coming up on Tuesday at LSU. Uh, with Will Wade, brought to you by Western Union. Uh, you uh, you can uh, look into that what you may. But again, I think Alabama is the best team in the SEC right now. They've already beaten Tennessee, already beaten Kentucky, already won at Auburn, which is a very tough place to play. So they won't be intimidated by going to LSU. Uh, they've got Javon Quinterly back. He returned yesterday. He was a little rusty, had some turnovers, struggled with his three-point shot, still made some plays, though. And so I think Javon Quinterly will continue to get back into uh, the swing of things after missing three games with that medical condition. And so this is an Alabama team uh, that they're, they're playing with a lot of great chemistry, a lot of great effort. I thought their defensive uh, work yesterday was still really good. Uh, you know, Reese is going to play more minutes. We saw extended minutes, too, uh, from the redshirt freshman who missed the year with a knee last year, uh, Jawan Gary, blocking shots, running the floor. He even made a three. He is someone, it's like another Alonzo G, a lot of natural talent. I think this will give him a chance to play more. He's got a really good attitude, too. I love the body language on this group, uh, and I know this will give him a chance to play more minutes. So the Bruner injury is unfortunate, but I think Alabama can absorb it and still be very good. 
and now they're 11-3, and three, should finally be ranked in both polls as they head to Red Stick for one of their biggest tests. But if they can get past this one, they've got a really legit shot at winning the SEC regular season, and they're off to the best start since that 86-87 team, which won the SEC regular season for Alabama and the tournament before going on under Wimp Sanderson to go to the Sweet 16. So it's just been an unbelievable run for Alabama basketball so far. And really, it's been a hell of a time to be an Alabama fan. Uh, William, I know uh, you uh, are are mostly a football guy, but hell, I mean, Alabama basketball has been about as fun to watch as well. It's been really a fun last two weeks to be a Bama grad or fan. Yeah, it has. I've been blown away by the, you know, you know, when you look at the way the basketball team finished last season and the way they've kind of, um, you know, gotten off to such a fast start this season, it's really been amazing. It seems like, you know, Coach Oates is recruiting at a high level. Um, I was I was trolling. We've got two Auburn fans in my office at work, and this was the, the Monday night uh, or Monday afternoon before uh, the Heisman Award ceremony, and I was like, guys, I, I really don't know if I'm going to see y'all um, a week from now. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, Alabama's going to win the Heisman Trophy tonight. And then a couple of days later, they're going to dominate the college football awards. Then they're going to beat y'all in basketball on Saturday. Huh. And I just think I just think by Monday night at midnight, after that next natty comes to Tuscaloosa, it might be more than y'all can take. And they were, they were like, you might get a little bit of a rise of us out of us over the basketball game. We just don't care enough about football right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. But it's been great. Uh, Hopefully it's going to continue. Big game, as I said, coming up on Tuesday. So proud of Nate Oates and what he's built. He's he's a lot like Nick Saban in that he holds everyone accountable, gets high buy-in from the players. And that was the biggest key to this season. And that's why you saw the senior long snapper. That's another award Alabama won. The best long snapper in the country, Thomas Fletcher, four-year starter. He was very emotional after the game, thanking everyone, talking about how many sacrifices they made uh, and that it all paid off. And, you know, Nate Oates is a, is a, is a great coach. I mean, he's, he, he, he's, he's built a special culture in Tuscaloosa. They're going to have a very strong recruiting class coming in next year. And even though they're going to lose some outstanding seniors, led by John Petty, Alex Reese, Herb Jones, Bruner, uh, they're gonna they're gonna replace them with some outstanding young talent, uh, and the culture has been transformed there. Alabama's gonna have to pay Nate Oates. There's no doubt about it, but I think they will. I think they understand what they have, and Greg Byrne right now is in a very strong position. But it's been a great Bams Radio, a little bit of extended version. Uh, we'll definitely be coming back to you very soon to talk about recruiting down the stretch. These early enrollees that are coming in, get Williams' take more extensively on a guy like J.C. Latham. Also, Tommy Brockermeyer, some of these other blue chips that are coming in. And no, don't worry, everybody. Steve Sarkeesian is not going to take half this recruiting class. I mean, he's going to recruit his own guys to Texas. I will say that. I think there is that much, at least that much respect between Coach Saban and Sark. I know there was some bad blood between the Banks deal, but I think Banks, that was the way he handled that a little bit. But Alabama didn't need to pay him a million dollars a year. They can find another special teams coach uh, and, you know, and, uh, and certainly in uh, uh, tight ends coach. I hope it's a guy like Joe Panunzio. I know he's been back in town. I'd love to have Panunzio back on the staff. I think he'd be a, an even an upgrade over Banks as a recruiter. He's outstanding in South Florida. And I'm going to tell everybody, he played a role in telling Josh Job to come back to school. So hopefully we might see Stoutland come back from the Eagles. Maybe 
Joe Panunzio, but we'll also probably have more coaching staff news the next time you hear from us. But I want to thank William Redfish Barger. I want to thank Thomas Watts. It's been an awesome show looking back at the greatest national championship season and run we've seen in college football history. The University of Alabama, 18-time national champions now, and, of course, six under Nick Saban at Alabama, seventh overall for the greatest coach of all time, and Alabama just rolling uh, as uh, they uh, finish 13-0 and in SEC and Rose Bowl champs and national champs. But uh, we, uh, we want to thank everyone for supporting us once again, and we'll continue to come to you all the way through recruiting as well. We are really – we're going to continue to roll. And then, of course, we'll be back before spring practice. But, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of BAMS Radio. Good night for Thomas Watts, for William Redfish Barger. I'm Drew Armand. Roll Tide.